This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country, in the Melon Law Studio. Mellon Law, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators, protected by crime prevention, 24-7, 365, locally owned, patronized, locally owned security systems, and Julia Casio Allstate, on-the-spot cleaners, style cuts, on our construction, et cetera, et cetera. And good morning, Brenda, Ken, and... Uh, all of you all are my research assistants. I see my chief one out there. Well, we'll get to the weather. It's been a little nippy here, and uh, heat has been on, and you know how that goes. You got to put extra lotion on your skin, and, and um, everything just dries out. But we'll keep complaining about the humidity, for you know it, in Florida. So, grin and bear it. Well, well, well. We're all kind of in a state of shock today. And um, not really, not all of us, but a goodly number of us over yet one more dumb thing by people in high positions, positions of high trust. And I'm talking about attorneys and judges and Liars, I mean attorneys, mayors, presidents. You know, it's sort of amazing, really. I thought it was so amazing. I'd just start out locally with kind of a warm-up session because the city manager of Gainesville came out and said, oh boy, get ready for some really financial cuts. And I was looking through the comments about it. And one thing piqued my interest was that uh, the tourist world, um, one of the cultural funders here. We have the Hippodrome. We have um, other activities that are funded by heads and beds. I, I got to looking at this. I'm thinking, wow. Cuts from the arts. Cuts from that which is funded by tourism. It's not a cost shift from GRU. 
what are you talking about? I can understand if it's the cops or the firemen. But that comes out of the general fund and taxation of property owners and some other forms of tax. But the Tourist Development Council, heads and beds, I hope we're not robbing that to make up for a loss in the transfer fund. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But that that is really kind of a red flag. Also, one of the things going on now is the new interim Alonso County Sheriff is talking about opening up satellite sheriff's offices in the smaller towns, which needs to be done, but didn't have anybody to staff it with. <clears throat> didn't have anybody to pay for it. So I guess, I guess you're going to have a sign out there and nobody in it. So The title of the show today is The Interpretation of the Law. You hear all these sayings that we're a nation of laws. No man's above the law. That's stupid. We're a nation of people who interpret the law. That's why we have lawyers. They argue about the meanings of words. So people interpret the laws. We're not a nation of laws. We're not even a justice nation. So here we've been getting away locally with taking money from the utilities that was provided by people who don't get to vote on the people who are taking the money. Well, you think there'd be a law against it. No, you see, if there isn't a law against it, then they'll figure out a, a way to do it. And if there is a law against it, they'll figure out a way around it. And they'll call it fancy words like budget development process. Operational expenses. Have you heard terms like this? This is a lingo that government works in. Service providers. Anyway, that's a local, local version of bureaucratic doublespeak, that which is in 1984, George Orwell. But we have it also coming out of the mouth of the president, current president, of the United States 
of America. And what did he say? He said that Trump's support of an insurrection was self-evident. Now, you know, that is pretty clever. The guy has been plagiarizing all his life. He's been caught at it, didn't bother him in, in D.C. And when he says it's self-evident that Trump is guilty of supporting an insurrection, then basically what you're saying is you don't need a court to interpret this for you. It's, it's on the face, on the surface. I'm a facia. It's true. There's no other way to look at it. But when you get ready to have a law that we have to protect the borders, we don't even apply them. The same president Biden, who says that Trump's involvement in an insurrection is self-evident, is the same president that refuses to enforce the laws on the border. And you go look at the city of New York. The New York City Council is talking about banning solitary confinement. You have to scratch your head. Here is a day and age, if you will, when you're literally trying to lock a former president who is running for president up in the jug while you are banning solitary confinement in the New York City jails of guys who are real criminals locked up in the jug. I don't know if you heard of it, but the New York City bill would ban solitary confinement in all cases aside from a four-hour de-escalation period to be used in the event of an emergency. It would also require that all inmates be allowed 14 hours per day outside their cells. So I figured up eight hours of sleep. Eight plus 14 is almost 24. So what are these guys doing? They're never in the cell. They're never in the jug. What is going on with that which we have on our list here? Our wonderful Wednesday list with 
Can you hope? The legal system. Is there a system? Do you honestly, God, believe there is a no man is above the law? Count of a coffee, by the way. Use Ward 15, get 15% off. Now, in case you haven't heard, we've got Trump probably going to be before the Supreme Court for their opinion on two different trials. One in the very city of New York. I get this. I'm, I'm just presenting it to you. I know it strikes you. It strikes me as odd as could be. But, you know, just think about it. And you, it, it, you know, I, I, can't, I didn't invent it. In the city of New York, loaded with immigrants, we are talking about banning solitary confinement, talking about mandating that the prisoners be outside their cells all but 10 hours of a 24-hour period. At the same time, we have a special counsel that is literally trying to take away Donald Trump's personal empire that he spent years building in New York. City and New York State and all over the world. And they don't have one single person who loaned him money complaining they didn't pay it back. We don't have anybody complaining who has, quote unquote, standing other than the prosecutor. And so now the Supreme Court has got to decide, because Trump got it there, whether or not this special counsel is unconstitutional. Unconstitutional. And you remember the essential characteristic of the left is they believe the Constitution is a moving target. It's malleable. You can stick anything in there you want to. Or, with the right interpretation, you can argue that abortion is in the Constitution, which it isn't. There's a process for putting it in there. But it wasn't put in there that way. It was interpreted. It was deduced. It wasn't induced. So now, former Attorney General Ed Meese, do you remember him? He filed a brief on Wednesday arguing that Jack Smith 
lacks the authority to represent the United States by asking the Supreme Court to find it so because the office he holds has not been created by Congress and there's a clause in the Constitution called the Appointments Clause which Chuck U. Schumer and Fat Jerry Nadler and Pencil Neck Schiff just avoid. Pelosi, they just avoid it. What they do, it's a battle strategy. Avoid it and then make them, the individual citizen, hire the lawyer at the individual citizen's expense to fight us and our pocketbook is the government. So now comes his friend of the court. That's a little different. They're coming as an independent group that has standing because they're citizens. They're coming as co- Mises co-chairman of the Federal Society and the guy Lawson is a prominent constitutional law professor. And they're going to argue that only Congress can create federal offices like the one Smith claims to hold. So this is one case I wanted to spell out for you to keep your eye on. It's one of right now two Supreme Court, you would think, and I, you know, we got some reasonable people now, finally, you would think, would find this to be so. Smith's appointment, unconstitutional. Wasn't appointed by Congress. Well, how do you get there? Well, Garland simply hired him, is the argument, to perform tasks that Congress has not authorized. And only an officer can hold such a significant level of authority. Now, remember that word, officer. You know, I was an English teacher, a writing teacher. kept trying to impress upon the students that words matter. Learn them. Get a big vocabulary. Read a lot. Read everything, good and bad stuff. Learn to be a critical reader. Learn how a sentence is put together. Be able to name the parts of the sentence. Be able to understand the logic of the thought in the sentence. Be able to write better than the person with whom you're arguing. Know your case pronouns. I just use an objective case pronoun. All the attention on pronouns. 
they don't focus on the right issue. The political left ideologues only worry about sex. You know the story. They dumb down the need to know. The left doesn't feel comfortable at the higher standard level. They don't like meritocracy. You have to work at meritocracy. You can't just open your mouth and meritocracy come out. You've got to learn what clear thinking and clear writing is by looking at examples of it. Now, first of all, in the case of the argument that Smith's appointment is unconstitutional, you have to know the Constitution. People spend their whole life learning it. Constitutional lawyers. So, the standalone counsel. Now, how's it going to wind up? I have no idea. I am hoping, are you not, that critical thinking prevails. But there are some shaky Supreme Court justices. There, there are some politicized Supreme Court justices. You can't really rest easily as long as they're there. So they're going to argue that Smith has no authority to argue about Trump's New York empire. And if you remember, me served as attorney general for President Ronald Reagan. Those independent counsels during Reagan's time were authorized by Congress. So when Biden says it's self-evident that Trump supported an insurrection, he's now talking about the January 6th case that's going to go before Supreme Court in a way it might not have gone had Colorado not said before he's even found guilty of insurrection, before insurrection's even been defined, the court says, can't be on the ballot. Now, I, I think that's one of the strangest things I've seen legal people of supposed high standing talk about. Take a position like that. You know, but we know it's running rampant in the country. We know if you look at the definition of murder and this first and second and third, all that, and this manslaughter, 
all sorts of grades of that. We know George Floyd was not murdered. Not murdered. Now, the guy who murdered the students in Utah went into their home while they were sleeping. That's a murderer. Ted Bundy. That's a murderer. I heard a police detective tell me once upon a time, Ted Bundy was a murderer. Danny Rawling was a killer. I said, what's the difference? Well, the murderer plans and stalks and has a strategy as intent, motive, perfectly aware of what he's doing. The killer is more spontaneous, more incidental. Without a developed and applied kind of technique. I thought that was very interesting. The difference between Ted Bundy and Danny Rawling, two of the most profoundly dangerous, I would call them both murderers, but killers ever to come through Gainesville. is Derek Chauvin who had his knee on Floyd's neck in their league. Well, according to the findings of the court, he is. According to the current president of the United States, Trump supported an insurrection. We'll look at that language of that insurrection, students, in today's class, because it needs to be examined carefully to see if it's even applicable. Just as Jack Smith's appointment as a as an independent counsel is not applicable because it was not performed by Congress. So be it that Trump is not guilty of an insurrection from a law that's only been used like once or twice or so that was intended to keep Confederates from returning to office in the post-Civil War United States. And there was a black woman, I don't know if she was a senator or what she was, who said that very thing, called Trump a Confederate. 
the governor of the state of New York said all slaves were in the South, all free people in the North. Are you kidding me? Cannot be serious. Nobody's ever taught the poor soul how complicated the issue is. And they confuse slavery with racism. They're not anywhere near the same. And that's done all the time. We'll be right back on Word Scott Files in just a moment with the weather. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. All right, coach. Last year, the best party in Gator Nation was a Spurrier's Bison's Rooftop. But now, Red in 23, we're celebrating this year. What the restaurant has planned for this year, New Year's Eve? That's right. We got usual great food here at Spurrier's. We got wonderful music, and it's the best way to ring in 2024. It's going to be Advisor's Rooftop Bar from 7 through midnight to about 1 a.m. We got elevated hors d'oeuvres. We got sparkling wine pairings. We're going to dance to the DJ Elio here. All through the night, got to be 21 and older, but the tickets are going fast. And so how much are the tickets for? The visor party tickets are $125 a piece, and trust me, you'll get your money's worth. Now, Coach, where can we purchase the ticket? You can purchase the tickets at www.spurriers.com. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber 
for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Brought to you by Lewis Oil Chevron Stations, fossil fuel. Ain't nothing better than that. So, here we are in the 40s, bump into the 60s here in the piney woods of God's country, North Central Florida. However, my good friends, it looks as if the whole country for Christmas weekend is going to have some form of inclement weather. Snow out west, high, rain through the Midwest, and into, of all things, the southeast. So it's looking as if we are going to be getting a soaking on Christmas Day in the southeast. I did not do the naked rain dance. So this is the way it looks as if it's shaping out. Now, if it doesn't come, you'll probably be relieved. But if it does, don't be surprised. It's supposed to be a soggy holiday. There you are, my friends. All right. Well, we've been discussing old Jack Smith, right? So we'll see how that one turns out. Um, There's a pretty good analysis of the whole picture. And you know me, being a research guy, you help me as my research assistants. I, um, I look for... That's the best quality information I can get. And I also look at the lousy quality. I compare them all. Ultimately, sooner or later, I do some my own personal stuff. And I kind of reach a conclusion. Um, this is an AP article about the insurrection clause in the Constitution. I thought it was pretty good. Several pages long. So I'll go through it with you in class today. You may take notes. It'll be on the test. Well, I'm telling you, that's a doozy, huh? There are two sentences that were added to the U.S. Constitution 155 years ago. The Colorado Supreme Court used those two sentences, which are in the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to find Trump ineligible to be on the state's ballot for president. Now, that alone is an interesting dilemma. It's a federal office, the highest office in the land, but each state runs its own election system. And you know how that factored in last time. 
you know that Trump is a lightning rod for hatred. And you know that even so-called reasonable people have reasoning blackouts when something threatens their system of likeness and their tribal identities. You might like the Comanche Indian chief, but if you're a Dakota Indian, you might try to kill him. This is kind of the way we are now, like tribes. Never mind whether we can think or not. So the Colorado Supreme Court For the first time in the history, this provision has been used to prohibit someone from running for the presidency. And if the Supreme Court were to side with Colorado, then all the states could apply this interpretation of the law. And even future, this is a thing you have to be careful what you wish for, even future candidates in future elections could find this 155-year-old remote section of the Constitution applied to them, which would open up a world, so writes AP, of enormous political combat. For example, Kamala Harris. What a what a what a trip. When she has raised bail money for those jailed during the violence following the murder, murder, AP writes, murder, not the killing, but the murder, because now, by now the courts have found it to be murder. This is the same judicial system that found O.J. Simpson innocent of murder. Try that one out. Try, try, just try that one out. So the AP says, what's the impact of the ruling? Well, the Supreme Court was four to three. People are hoping, and it's going to be interesting, it's going to be dramatic, that the Supreme Court will not only rule against Colorado's Supreme Court, but will rule unanimously 
Because if they don't, they are going to play to the division that's already tearing the country apart. The U.S. Supreme Court, according to AP, has never ruled on the meaning of Section 3. They could rule on it, according to AP, in a variety of ways. They could uphold the ruling to strike it down to dodge the central questions on legal technicalities. You know, none of the courts would take up the arguments about the 2020 election. Do you recall that? I don't recall any of them taking up that argument. They avoided it. They didn't want to get into it. They did take it up in Florida that year with uh, Gore and Bush. So there are six justices on the U.S. Supreme Court appointed by Republicans Three that were nominated by Trump himself. Some of the strongest advocates, though, of using Section 3 against Trump have been prominent conservative legal theorists and lawyers who argue that the courts have to follow the actual words. But, you know, when you look at the actual words... What is an insurrection? What does it mean, lead? What is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment? It was written to keep former Confederates I'm returning to government. This is how it reads. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Now, this was used often 
in the years immediately after the Civil War. But it fell to disuse after amnesty was granted to Confederate veterans in 1872. The only record of it being used in the 20th century was justification in refusing to seat a socialist congressman in 1919 because he opposed U.S. involvement in World War I. Now, here are the issues. Remember, no man is above the law or a nation of laws. No, we're not. No, we're not. We interpret the laws. How would you interpret this? January 6th attack. Was it an insurrection? Or a riot? And even if it were an insurrection, did Trump engage in it? Was he down there? Knocking over a barrier? Or did he exercise his rights to free speech under the First Amendment? Furthermore, the state courts aren't in a position to determine whether January 6th was an insurrection. You'd have to hold a trial. You'd have to get all the facts. And most of the witnesses are not in the jurisdictions of those courts. So finally, even the courts of Colorado does conclude as they have, as it was insurrection, it's not their decision to make. It's a political question for Congress. And we know, look, I've kept this. I can't get it out of my mind. August 15th, 2016. What happened then? FBI counter espionage chief Peter Strzok, an FBI attorney, attorney, Lisa Page, met with Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe. And they texted that they could not take the risk of Trump getting elected without having an insurance policy in place. And so it begins. It hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped.
What happens next? Well, good question. How soon will the United States Supreme Court hear this argument? How soon, after agreeing to hear it, will they deliberate it? When they deliberate it, what will be the unanimity or lack thereof of their finding? Colorado's presidential primary is March 5. That's Super Tuesday. On that day, Republican voters in 16 states and territories go to the polls. Colorado has 37 delegates up for grabs that day compared with 50 in Alabama, 74 in North Carolina, 161 in Texas, and 169 in California. California. What happens if the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't take the case? Highly unlikely. But if so, the Colorado Supreme Court decision would take effect and Trump's name will not appear on the state's primary ballot. There is a list of Trump-related cases that the United States Supreme Court is going to rule on. They're going to decide the validity of the law used to charge hundreds of people in connection with the January 6th riot, including Trump as part of his four-count federal election obstruction case in Washington. Mr. Robert Barnes and Patrick Marley did that analysis. Prosecutors this past year, all my research for you. I do the research for you, students. You can use it as much as you want to. Prosecutors just this past year have four criminal cases going against Trump with 91 felony counts in D.C., New York, Florida, and Georgia. 
Trump faces charges of conspiracy to defraud the U.S. government, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, charges of falsifying business records, charges of violating Georgia's anti-racketeering law, illegally possessing classified documents, don't forget that one, obstruction, and willful retention of national defense information. Don't forget he's making payments to Stormy Daniels. Meanwhile, the question has come up about kicking Biden off the court, off the ballot. He has payments in LLC shell companies from foreign businessmen to members of the Biden family all over the place. Meanwhile, if the Supreme Court rules in favor of Trump, watch the criticism of the United States Supreme Court ramp up. They'll want to throw Clarence Thomas off. Watch the civil, not civil, the public behavior that the government will allow, I'm I'm sure, already has, to take place in front of the Supreme Court justices' homes. Interesting. Interesting to those of us I want to conclude with this. I got about two or three minutes left. The Harvard president. You wonder how these lawyers and and we English majors used to joke that a C student in English made a good lawyer. The lawyers were the worst writers. They couldn't write nearly as well as we could. We could beat them in debates. We didn't think much of what they wrote. It's a very predictable kind of form they write in. Um, So we always look down our noses at people who went to law school because you didn't have to be a, a scholar to do it. And once you were there, the whole place was dumbed down. Tended to be all liberal. You had no true diversity 
even though they like to use that word. And so along comes somebody like Harvard. You've had how many years of the Great Society by Johnson? Let's see, that's 65, 66. You've had about 60 years of the Great Society. So you've had time for people like Claudine Gay to make it through the academic system. And lo and behold, and it's turning up more and more and more. That she, her work, they don't use plagiarism anymore, by the way. See, that's another thing that happens. They'll change the terms. Oh, guilty of duplicative language. It's now turning up that she is guilty of duplicative language all over the place. She presented it as if it were original scholarly work. That doesn't surprise us. That doesn't surprise us. They've been getting away with this stuff forever, patting each other on the back in these academic institutions, dumbing down the quality of thinking, Oh, well, that's the show for today. I hope you got something out of it. Took a lot of research to go through and find this out for you. But it is the nitty gritty of democracy. Or as we say, a constitutional republic. Warthog Command Center out.